We're going to jump into the word now. And uh, one thing that I have, I mean, the biggest development in my life for the past year, as many of you know, has been the birth of our daughter, Olivia. Pretty cute, right? <laughs> I think she's amazing. Uh, and she's caused me to think about a number of things differently than I did before. There's just a, a shift in your mindset after you have a child, after you're, uh, you're playing a role in raising up a child. And one of those things has been how I understand the human body, interestingly. It's, I didn't put too much thought into many of the things that the human body is able to do or what, can, what makes up the human body until Pastor Anita was pregnant with Olivia. Then we downloaded this app. It's called Baby Center ca or something like that. It's, it's actually, I think, a Canadian app. And uh, shout out to Canada, my home and native land. Yes. Uh, but what it does is it walks you through week by week what's happening in your daughter's, your son's development in the womb. And it shows you pictures of what your child probably looks like. So, and I forget exactly now what develops when, but, you know, it shows you when the brain starts to develop. And when the baby's fingers start to grow, when they have fingerprints, their own unique set of fingerprints already in the womb, and when their lungs develop, and when their, uh, when their skin forms over their body. And this, you know, this amazing progression of what happens in every human being starting in the womb. And when I have thought through these things and you know, prayed into the development of my daughter, it makes me more and more amazed at how incredible the human body actually is. You know, when you think about it, the human body is amazing. And what, what the, the brain is capable of, the human brain is capable of far more than we realize. The thoughts that can be, you know, can develop, the creativity that can come forth is basically endless. There's so much untapped in our brains that God has deposited within us. The human body is incredible. You think of the heart, the heart that's pumping and feeding blood into the different parts of your body, all over your body, continuously without you realizing. You don't ever have to think about your, your heart pumping, you know? Praise God, you don't have to think about your heart pumping, because if you did, if you stopped thinking about your heart pumping, you would drop dead. You know, you can go to sleep at night in peace, knowing that your heart is made to pump blood, and it's going to do it faithfully, so that you can wake up the next morning and live another day. The human body, you know, the lungs, you know, your lungs that receive air, receive oxygen and, and release it into your body. God is so wise and so intelligent, you know, in creating the human body. It's a powerful, powerful thing. The human body is capable of incredible things. I'll tell you, actually, just this morning, uh, I was in the process of preparing uh, the sermon for today, and just kind of last, you know, last minute preparing. And I got distracted the way many of us get distracted, opening up Facebook and just seeing what's there and, and just scrolling through. You know how they have the videos now that, you know, they automatically roll, right? You don't have to click on the video. They're just rolling. So I'm, I'm looking through my newsfeed with Pastor Anita, actually. And just, you know, just kind of flipping through, just distracting myself for a little bit. And I see this video and I, I forget who posted it. Uh, but this video of people doing incredible, like, stunt-type things, like daredevil 
type things with, uh, you know, with, with skiing and snowboarding and snowmobiles and dirt bikes and BMX bikes and jumping off cliffs. And like the things that a human body can do is, is incredible. Like I saw there's one, one that looks incredibly crazy. It was a guy on, it was a, pre, like a smaller guy. He was on roller skates, not roller blades. They were roller skates. And he was able to do the splits while roller skating. So he's, he's roller skating. He does the splits. He gets right down, like, like right down all the way, his head down. And he's able to go underneath two cars. Like he rolls underneath the cars and then gets actually the video didn't show him getting back up. He probably crashed afterwards. I'm guessing, but it just makes me more in awe of what the human body is capable of. The human body is powerful, can do great things. And what I want to talk about today is arguably the most powerful part of the human body. It's actually quite a small part. Arguably the most powerful part of the human body is the tongue. It's what the tongue, the human tongue is capable of. And I want us to turn right away to James 3. James 3, just to get a sense for what the Bible says about how powerful the human tongue is. Starting with verse 1, it says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The tongue is powerful just like a spark, a simple spark instead of a whole fire ablaze. The tongue, when left unbridled, can do incredible damage. Solomon, or the author of Proverbs, in Proverbs 18, it says, life and death, the power of life and death, I should say, are in the tongue. 
Your tongue is capable of bringing things that are dead to life. Your tongue is capable of taking things that are alive and causing them to die. Your tongue is capable, the words you speak are capable of great things, both evil and good. You have so much potential in the words that you are able to say. And my heart for us this afternoon is to get a greater vision of the good that we can do with the words that we speak. The words you speak are powerful. They can be life. They can be the edification, the building up of so much. So I want to get actually to our main text for this afternoon in Ephesians 4. You can turn there right away. Ephesians 4, a few books earlier than James. Just looking at verse 29. Ephesians 4:29. It says this: "Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. You see the apostle Paul here gives two options for what we can do with our tongue. We can speak things that are unwholesome in the NIV or corrupting in the ESV, or we can build people up. It can be a release of grace for people. What we speak with our tongues very interesting. I'm going to get into a little bit of Greek this afternoon. I hope that's okay. I appreciate Greek. I went to seminary and studied some and grew to, to love what we can learn from it. But the word here for, uh, in the NIV, it's unwholesome. ESV, it's corrupting. In verse 29, it's a word that means literally garbage, food trash, that's putrid or rotten. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Don't let rotten food trash come out of your mouth. That's what, that's what he's saying. The Apostle Paul is saying, when you speak things that are unwholesome, that are unedifying, you have the capacity to speak what's the equivalent of something that's rotting and smelling and good for nothing, ultimately, out of your mouth. Now, in Korea, we have a certain level of understanding of what food trash is, Right? Like, I know in America and Canada, I'm, I'm surprised every time I go back to Canada that people actually throw food trash in the regular garbage, you know? That's just standard. I, I always feel it's so wrong. You know, when I go back to Canada, I'm like, no, I can't do that. I got to put it somewhere else. Uh, but in Korea, we all use food trash disposal bags, right? The yellow bags that are given out, you know, you got to buy them at the Peony Jum, and you put your food trash, and then you put them in the, you know, the big plastic uh, garbage cans outside with orange lids, right? Everyone knows. You all have an image of this, right? Okay, that's, I think that's typically for, for everyone, uh, how you dispose of food trash. And what I've learned over time is how valuable it is to freeze your food trash. Does anyone here do that? Do you freeze your food trash? 
Yeah, that, that has saved me so much because the person who taught me that actually was Pastor Mina from Pusa. Because uh, I used to live actually with Pastor Marcus in the church office. Believe it or not, I used to live in the church office. That's what we used to do to intern pastors. We used to make them live in the church office and sleep in bunk beds. I slept in a bunk bed with Pastor Marcus for a year. He doesn't like to admit that. I have no problem with that. I think because he was trying to, you know, get, you know, a girlfriend and move forward to marriage. So it's hard to admit that when you, you know, you need to look like, you know, you have it together. Now that I'm married, I can admit that to everyone. I slept in a bunk bed for a year with Pastor Marcus. It was glorious. It was great. Uh, but in that time, uh, living in the church office, I noticed that Pastor Mina, who is the administrator at that time, she, uh, she would always freeze the food. She'd put it in the freezer of the fridge. And uh, it, it was like groundbreaking for me because every time before that, I would always leave it in some like small plastic container and try to contain the smell as much as possible, right? But sometimes, if you've experienced this, sometimes it gets rotten, it gets smelly, and really gross. Like, like you, it's the most nasty thing when you're throwing out, like the way I used to do it before that, you'd take like whatever plastic bag, this is actually before the yellow bags, before this time, I've been here a long time, before the yellow bags, I'd put my food trash into like a random, you know, plastic bag, and then I'd have to take that plastic bag out, that's probably rotten at that time, and go downstairs to the food trash disposal and then empty it out into the bin and then throw the bag away somewhere else, right? Gross. It's disgusting. And we have an image of this in our minds. We can, as people living in Korea, what it might be like to have rotten food trash around. This is what the Apostle Paul's saying. Don't let rotten food trash come out of your mouth. Because that's what it's like. It's disgusting. It doesn't help anyone. It actually tears people down. It destroys. It destroys me inside when I have to smell rotten food trash. It's, it's gross. But there are various ways that, you know, that we have the capacity and that we, we tend to destroy things when we speak. When we speak ill of people or when we speak things that are unedifying. I thought about it in terms of temperaments, right? At, at New Philly, we often talk about the four temperaments, sanguine, choleric, melancholic, phlegmatic. And like Pastor Christian was preaching a couple of weeks ago, we tend to have signature sins. Now, he didn't get into it too much, but there are tendencies we have when we, when we do sin that if we identify them, we can work on those and do that less, minimize or eliminate it altogether. I think the same thing is true for, for destructive things that come out of our mouth. I think for, like for cholerics, and these are tendencies for any temperament, really, but they're just they're tendencies for certain, uh, certain temperaments. So if you're a choleric, if you're like a type A personality, uh, if you're going to destroy with your mouth, you're probably going to be really cutting and offensive, and that sort of thing, right? Clerics in the room, can you identify with me? Does it happen? Ever? No one's raising their hand. You guys are all liars. I know. So anyone can do it, but clerics, it's, it's easier. It's more natural, in a sense, for them to do it. If you were a melancholic person, if you're melancholy, what do you think it would be? Any ideas? 
typically melancholics, I, I'm married to one and she knows that I'm going to say this, so it's okay. But melancholics can very easily be uh, critical in an unhealthy way, very critical and, and not, not as loud as a cleric, right? A cleric's going to be louder. Uh, a melancholic's going to be quieter, but more critical with their words and tearing people down. How about a, how about a sanguine? <laughs> a lot of sanguines in the room, I believe. Now, if it's not to someone's face, and PC was, Pastor Christian was uh, referring to this as something he deals with as well, he talked about how he struggles at times with, uh, with gossip. Right? He mentioned that. Sanguines, it's easy to gossip, right? No one's identifying here with me. Now, I'm, I'm not sanguine. I can gossip. But sanguines have an easier time because there are things to be said. And you want to speak them and be in on the information. We'll get to my temperament now. I wanted to leave mine to the last, okay? Let's get that out there first. Mine is, I'm a phlegmatic. Pastor John Michael's also phlegmatic. There are many phlegmatics in the room, I know. Uh, for a phlegmatic, and I have to think about this, what, what, do I, what do I tend to do if I'm speaking something that's ultimately going to tear someone down? For phlegmatics, it kind of flows or flies into the radar. It's not as, it's not as obvious, right? Because you're not naturally as cutting. You're not naturally geared towards you know, gossip as much. But you know what phlegmatics are are naturally, they naturally default to if they're going to do something destructive with their mouth. They're naturally geared towards flattery. Think about that for a second. Phlegmatics like to be liked by other people, and out of that selfish ambition that can be there for them, they often speak, not often, but they have the capacity to speak things so that people will like them. Things that are not necessarily sincere, so the people around them are happy, so there's peace around them, and that they're ultimately seen in a better light by people around them. Phlegmatics here. I'm speaking to you right now. (laughs) Flattery, okay? This is what it says. It's very interesting. This is what it says in, in Proverbs 26, 28. It says, A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. You think you're building someone up by something insincere you're saying? What it's saying here is that you're actually tearing them down. You're working ruin in someone's life when you're speaking something insincere for your own personal gain. We all have these different tendencies, but what Paul says is like rotten food trash coming out of your mouth that, for one thing, isn't going to benefit anyone, And for another thing, we'll tear people down. He says, get rid of this. Stop doing it. Your tongue is capable of great things, great power. So stop letting unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And instead, do whatever is worth, do whatever it takes to build people up. So it says in the rest of the verse, going back to it. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen, the building up of others. The word in the Greek here, word oikodome, is literally the image of building up a structure or an edifice. Speak things out that will build people up. He's saying you have the capacity to actually build people with your words. 
we're all in process, right? None of us have arrived. We're all in the process of being sanctified, being made more like Jesus. And what he's saying here is that everyone in the church has a role in building up the people around them in the church. It's not just the pastors. It's not just the CG leaders. It's not just the elders of the church. It's everyone in the church has the capacity to build people up. We know the church is not primarily a building. The church is primarily about people. It's this image, this picture of us being built together and built up together as we speak things that are fitting, that are right for the people around us. That it would be a grace in the ESV, it says. We release grace to people as we speak things that will build them up. You have the capacity to build someone. You have the capacity to take someone from where they are right now and make them more like Jesus through the words that you speak. That's an incredible thing. It's a weighty responsibility, but it's one that God has given us to release and be involved in, in joy. And what we're going to do is look at two different ways now that we can do that, that are that are expressed in the New Testament, two different ways we can build people up around us that the Apostle Paul specifically mentions in the New Testament. Are you ready for it? We're going to build people up with our words. We are not going to speak rotten food trash. That's a gross image. Just, yeah. You, you can get rid of the image now, and now we receive uh, the image of building up one another. The first way you can build people up, and we're just going to look at a couple. This is not an exhaustive list, but just two. The first way is to encourage one another. That may sound very simple, very straightforward, but write it down anyways. You're taking notes. The first way we can build people up with our words is to encourage one another. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration, encourage one another, be of one mind, live in peace. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. It's knitting these two things together, encouraging people and building them up. And it's the same image the Apostle Paul uses over and over and over in the New Testament of a building, of an edifice, of a beautiful Structure being built up through the people of God. The word here, this is the next Greek word for you today. I think it's the last one I'll use, but it's the next one. Parakaleo. That's this word. Repeat after me. Parakaleo. Again, parakaleo. That's one Greek word you can take home with yourselves. You can speak it out to someone else on the street and be impressive to them or something. Uh, but it's such a loaded word, and that's why it's important, I feel, to address it. To encourage someone in a, in a New Testament Greek understanding is to do far more than just comfort someone or to meet someone where they're at. This word is a literal, the literal meaning is to come alongside someone for the purpose of accomplishing something in their life. To come alongside someone for the purpose of accomplishing something in their life. Almost all of the usage of the word encouragement in the New Testament and the English are referring to this word. Many of them are. And it's actually the root of one of the 
uh, Greek words for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in John 16 uh, is called the helper, the paraclete, the, the comforter. How the Holy Spirit comes alongside believers for the purpose of accomplishing something in their life. So this isn't just to comfort someone and to leave them in a particular place. This is for the purpose of helping move people forward with our words. Encourage one another. You know, such, such powerful things can be accomplished through a simple word of encouragement. We've all experienced that. You can all think of times when someone's simple word of encouragement did something powerful, life-changing for you. I think of, for myself, when I was in university, and I was just about to graduate, and I studied history in university, and uh, one of my history professors who had taught me for an entire year, she was asking me what I was going to be doing after graduation. My plans were to, uh, to come to Korea and to teach in an international school, uh, at least for a year. I taught at Centennial Christian School, if you, if you know the school, many years ago. And, and she was very interested in me as a student, and she, and she wasn't a believer that I was aware of, but she said something that was so powerful to me. She just looked at me with sincerity and said, John, I'm sure you're going to succeed in whatever it is you're doing. I'm sure you're going to succeed. You, you're telling me you're going to go teach at an international school? I get that. You're going to succeed. You're going to do incredible. And I knew she was sincere about it. And to this day... That word of encouragement has been one of the most powerful words of encouragement I've ever received. I go into different situations now with that, having been built up with that, I feel like I can succeed. I feel like I can do it because someone, especially someone with authority over me, told me, spoke, with, spoke to me with sincerity, you can do it. Just a simple word, you know? It's so powerful to release encouragement to people around us. We have a level of, uh, of a culture of that at New Philly. Actually, we, we do pretty well with that in general. One thing specifically on the missions field. Uh, who has been on New Philly missions before? About half the room. If you've never been, you've got to go sometime. It's incredible. If you've been, I would be very surprised if you never did A&A on the mission field, right? <laughs> Affirmations and appreciation. That's it. We just know it as A&A, whatever it is. Affirmation and appreciation. And so what we do often on the mission field, especially, is we affirm each other on the team. We tell each other uh, things that we see in them that we want to affirm in them. And it's, it's an incredible time when we do that. Typically, this happens on a more large scale at the end of a uh, a missions trip. We get together in a circle. We spend a whole week together in whatever country and we get in a big circle and we start going around the room doing affirmations and it goes late into the night and everyone feels really blessed, really encouraged. And it feels really at, at one, you know, with the people on their team. People have also done other things, different missions team leaders. I think uh, missions director Lisa initiated this what she would do when she was on missions is if someone spoke something that was unwholesome or unedifying to someone else on the team, then she would stop them and say, okay, give two affirmations right now. (laughs) Stop what you're doing. Give two affirmations 
right now, you know, to that person. So the person's got a shift, you know, that wasn't the mode they're in at all. They got a shift and they got to think, okay, well, how can I can affirm this person? Uh, and usually it's something really lame at first because they're just not in the right space for it. But when they're sincere, they speak for something that that's really edifying and totally changes even the atmosphere around them. Those people are built up and encouraged through affirmations. Our words are powerful. We're to encourage one another with our words. That starts with meeting someone where they're at. You know, if you know nothing about someone, then it's hard to encourage them sincerely. But you've got to meet someone where they're at. I've learned this is especially true in marriage. If Pastor Anita is having a hard day, if she's got something she's working through, for me as a man, men, we like to fix things, right? We know the solution. It's very simple often in our minds. A plus B equals C. So that's the route. That's how it goes, you know? But I've learned that women, you need to feel understood. Amen? Amen. Women, I, amen? You need to feel understood. You need to know if you're married, you need your husband to understand what you're going through. You know, you got to feel like he's feeling that with you, like he's getting it, like he's there with you, like, she, like you're not alone, you know? You need that. You're designed that way. It's a good thing, you know? And men typically don't get it for the first while. And so we help our younger married men to get it as soon as possible. Because it's helpful for everyone. But when you encourage someone, you start by meeting them where they're at. You got to comfort them before they really understand what you want to say to actually move them forward to a place. So thinking about this specific Greek word to meet someone where they're at and move them forward in a certain place. You start with meeting them where they're at. For me as a praise leader, I, I deal with this all the time. I, I lead praise in a, I mean, usually just right here, but occasionally in other places as well. New Philly is an amazing place for praise. People love to worship God here. They're typically ready or more ready than people in other venues for worshiping God. Uh, but last week, I was leading praise at a high school retreat with high school kids who aren't as ready as New Philly Sons and daughters, you know, to worship the Lord. And if I would go there and just approach leading praise the same way I would approach it here, it would not be successful because I need to meet them where they're at. We want to have a certain level of understanding, however we're able to meet people where they're at, to give them understanding or to get understanding of where they are and then move them forward from that place as brothers encouraging each other, as sisters encouraging each other to have a level of understanding. This is what you're going through. I come alongside you and I help move you forward into God's purposes for you. Again, it's something that's not just a purpose of the pastors or the elders, or the CG leaders. It's for everyone. We come alongside each other with the power that we have in our words. We meet them where they're at and we move them forward. We encourage them. We do whatever we can to help build them up. It's really easy, or it can be easy for us to, you know, if our friend is having 
a difficult day or someone, a brother or sister in church, having a really hard time. Maybe work is terrible. My boss is un, like, he, he just, he's unreasonable. And I'm feeling sick. And life, you know, and it's just dark and dreary and it's raining outside. And all these things are, are terrible. It can be very easy for us to come alongside that person and basically establish them in their place of darkness and depression. You know, we can meet them where they're at and just say, man, that sucks. You know, you're, you're, man, your boss, really sorry about that. You know, I, that's too bad. You know, you know, and then, then just move on to whatever else you're talking about. Right. And when you do that, you're actually working to establish someone in a place of darkness and depression or wherever they're at. Your words are powerful. They have the power to lift someone up out of their depression. They have the power to give someone new hope. They have the power to build the people around you. To encourage one another. To come alongside people and to point them forward. This has a lot to do with positivity. With optimism. To come around people with sincere optimism. Because God is good, amen? If God is good, then we have every reason to be optimistic. We can have hope and joy and faith for a brighter future, a brighter day, because God is good. The most positive person I think I've ever known is my own father. Some of you have met him. He's, he was here earlier this year. He's been here a couple of times. Uh, my dad is just, he, he's relentless in his optimism. And that's how we grew up. I have four siblings. Uh, we all grew up with our father being really positive and really moving us forward. He was the kind, he understood what it meant to meet us where we were at. It wasn't about pretending that things aren't hard. It wasn't about pretending that, you know, life isn't difficult. It was about meeting people where they're at, but moving them forward. The power of his words released over his children through him just being sincerely positive. It's, this, this isn't like a, a Lego movie, everything is awesome kind of positivity, like mindless. This is like, <laughs> you can watch the movie later. Uh, this is a sincere optimism that we can all carry and release through our words. And so I have that heritage from my dad. Now I want to pass it on to my daughter. You know, I want to raise Olivia as someone who is hearing continuously optimism, hope, encouragement, that those would be the words she receives from me regularly. And I, I wonder sometimes, my, I'm so blessed to have a family that is healthy. I have four siblings. They're all in healthy marriages with children. And I think, man, in, in our day and age, how rare is that? Like five kids, all in healthy marriages, you know, believers, they love Jesus. They've got kids and, and things, are, things are moving forward. To them. They're, they're in a good place moving forward in the Lord. And I, I have to at least chalk some of that up to my dad's relentless positivism. His optimism. 
moving us forward, meeting us where we're at, understanding that life can be difficult, but coming around us with his words, with the power that was released through his words and moving us forward. I'll tell you about the second most positive person I've ever met. I'm pretty sure he's a second. He might be the first. I, didn't, I have not spent a lot of time with him, but I'll tell you a little bit about him. Uh, his name is Pete Becker. He's from the States. He's from the state of Virginia, actually. I met him for the first time a few years ago. And he just exudes, he like leaks out optimism. And it's not like some fake thing. It's not like he's putting on a show or putting on a facade. He's just so positive. And it's not like he hasn't faced hardships in life because he has. He just... He's, he's relentless. Like from when I had the time, the opportunity to talk with him and spend some time with him, he just, it just like, it leaked out of him. And then you have this fruit right here. Pastor John Michael Becker, that's his dad. This is the son of Pete Becker, you know? And it just makes me think, like if you want fruit that looks like this man here. <laughs> Amen. Like, be sincerely positive around people. The people that you're with, it can be so easy not only to leave people where they are, but get pulled down in it ourselves, you know? They say it's easier to pull someone down than it is to pull someone up, right? And we all are susceptible to being pulled down by people. But if we are steadfast in the place of optimism and meeting people where they're at, being real, but speaking words of truth, speaking words of life over them, then it's going to build them up in powerful ways and they'll be changed and transformed to be made more like Jesus. Encourage one another. That's the first way from the New Testament in which we can build one another up through our words. The second is this. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Now, there's a lot of overlap with our first point with encouraging one another. Uh, but this is a specific focus that Paul has in the New Testament as well. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. There is so much in that passage we can unpack. It's a, it's a really full passage, but it's just this neat image of how the church is building itself up in love as we speak the truth in love to each other and as we play our part, as we do our part with each other. It's, the image is not here. The image is not God reaching down and changing people. It's not even the pastors reaching down the shepherds and changing people. The image here is the people in the church, just the lay people, just the reserve leaders, just the members have this significant role of building up each other as we speak the truth in love. As we do our, as we are, it says earlier in the passage, as we're prepared for works 
good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's for every person to be active and to know the weight that they carry with their words. When we think of speaking the truth in love, I think, I mean, at least what comes to my mind typically is not the building up of someone. Often when we think of speaking, I'm going to speak the truth. I'm going to speak the truth to this person. This person's in foolishness. I'm going to tell them the truth. I'm going to tell them the way it is, you know? That's, that's often what comes to my mind, at least. When I speak the truth in love, it's like, speak the truth. That's big, and love is like small, you know? <laughs> the focus is the truth. We're gonna, I'm going to tell you the truth. This is the way things are. You're in foolishness. I'm going to rebuke you, you know? I'm going to let you know what's happening. Uh, and so it's interesting that, that Paul says, this is actually what builds people up. Speaking the truth in love doesn't do anything to tear anyone down. It actually, it builds people up. And there are different ways that we can be active in doing this. Man, it's, if people are in foolishness around you, and you know it, you know, we all have, you know, a level of discernment when it's either someone in your CG or someone who's, you know, just a brother or sister at church, they're in, they're in foolishness. You don't need to wait for your CG leader to speak into their lives. You don't need to go to their CG leader and say, hey, I think you need to have a talk with this person because they're in foolishness, you know. Uh, That may help as well, but you have the capacity. That's my daughter. (laughs) I'll see you in a bit, Olivia. Uh, She hears her daddy's voice and she's excited. I'm I'm pretty sure that's it. But, you know, we've had different things. I've heard of different stories of things that have happened in our church where all it would take is someone, you know, just a regular, you know, leader, reserve leader to speak a word of truth to someone in love. And it would change someone's, you know, heart set. It would change their mind. It would put them on a, on a right path. I think there, there was a time, you know, not that long ago where there was a group of people from New Philly. They were... Uh, some were from New Philly, some of them were newcomers, and there was just this, this discussion that was going on about, uh, it was about the dating protocol, actually. And there were people who had just heard about it for the first time. If you hear about the, it's, the dating protocol is the way in which we approach dating as a church in a healthy manner so there's covering for couples. But there can be misunderstanding if people don't understand it rightly. And so there was a misunderstanding by some people in this group of people talking, and there were leaders in that group, and they just kind of let this misunderstanding go. It, it became critical. It became divisive. And I heard about this after. And I was like, why didn't anyone just say something? You know, just say, like, this is... starting with, this is what, you know, the heart behind the dating protocol is, and this is what it actually accomplishes, and this is the the fruit that's come from it. That's part of it. And part of it also is just to tell people, hey, stop being divisive, you know, or take someone aside and say, hey, that's not cool. You know, you don't have to wait for someone's CG leader to do that. You just say, this is the truth, and I want to express that to you. I want to communicate that to you in love. I was talking with uh, someone else, another leader from the church, and there was another group of people at one time, it was a while back, and the situation was there was uh, a, a guy, it's a, it was a group of guys talking, they were just at a restaurant, they were talking, 
And one of the guys was going to stay at his girlfriend's place overnight, you know, and just spend the week in his girlfriend's place. He's a you know, member of the church. He's just going to do that. And, and no one spoke up about it. And I'm thinking, all it takes is someone to take that guy aside and say, hey, you know, what's, what's the situation with that? You know, what's going on? That, that's not going to be okay or acceptable. It's not wise, you know, to do that. At the very least, what you could do is speak to the person's, you know, whether it was a campus pastor or a CG leader, but no one said anything. No one spoke the truth to anyone in love. And it gave that guy the wrong understanding of what's acceptable and what's not. We have the ability to speak the truth in love to each other. It doesn't have to be a CG leader. It could be an issue of like gossip, you know, where there is a group of people in a, you know, in a circle there, and they're talking about someone behind their back in a way that you feel like maybe this isn't right, you know? Maybe we shouldn't be talking about, about this person behind their back. Maybe we should honor this person or just change the subject or whatever it might be. And all it would take is someone to speak up in truth and in love and say, this isn't right. You know, this, this is not okay. We're not about gossip in this church. We're not going to do that. God's called us to higher standards than that. You know? We all have the capacity to speak the truth in love. That's not calling everyone to bring harsh rebukes, you know, people around you, but to just even pull someone aside and say, hey, you know, I felt uncomfortable with that, or that's not okay, or this is not right, you know? We are built up as a body as we speak the truth in love as we build each other with our words and talk about like confrontation like that phlegmatics you know i know phlegmatics you're here somewhere right (laughs) we don't like doing things like that we're the least likely temperaments to bring that kind of confrontation because it makes people uneasy it makes us uneasy and we just want everyone to be at peace and everyone to be happy because we're phlegmatic (laughs) But there are times when the Holy Spirit will prompt you and say, hey, just speak the truth in love, not, in, not with a critical heart, with a critical spirit, but just say something, you know? You're building up the body as you do that. Your words are powerful. They have the power to tear down strongholds. They have the power to build people up. They have the power to change lives. They have the power to change nations. The people that we raise up in this community are going to go to the nations and they're going to have such great effect in part because of the words of life that were spoken over them here. And that's still hanging in the balance. There are going to be people who come to this community who will be built up to a greater or lesser degree by the words spoken over them in this community and they're going to go forth into the nations with a greater or lesser level of effectiveness, I believe, on the basis, in part, on the words that were spoken over them, the encouragements that were spoken over them by people in this church. We have the capacity to do great things with our tongues, with great things with our words. And God is calling us to be awake to that. How often do we get caught up in foolishness? Like when we're just, you know, talking with friends and talking about whatever and... You know, there's just nothing edifying that goes on in that conversation. I can't count the number of times I've been in conversations that just, I I walked away from them feeling more gross 
than built up. You know, where it might have been, you know, great to be really cynical and sarcastic and really fun in the moment, but ultimately, no one was built up from it. No one was edified. We want to use the gifts that God has given us to further the kingdom of God right here. Your words are powerful. The smallest among us, the most quiet among us, has great potential by the Spirit of God with the words that we speak. And that's my heart for us today. I'm going to invite Sole to come up and play. I'm just going to close this in prayer. Father, we thank you for the words that you've spoken over us. For the songs that you sing over us. For the affirmations you continually pour out on us. If we had ears to hear, we could hear you continually speaking over us. You're continually building us up, seeking to call forth an awakening in us to receive life, to receive truth, to receive encouragement. You are the God who encourages. You are the God who speaks truth and love. And you call us to be like you. You call us to represent you to a lost and dying and broken world. I ask, Lord, for revelation to increase for how much potential there is in our words. Potential to tear down and potential to build up. May we be filled with zeal by the Holy Spirit to build this house, to encourage one another, to understand one another and speak the truth lovingly. that we would be built up as a community into the fullness of all that you have destined us for. We want the fullness, God. We want to be built up in the fullness. So would you do that among us, God, that we would all play our part, do our role in building up this church, that we'd all reach unity in Christ and be more and more the bride, beautified, purified, that you died for and are waiting to receive for yourself. We thank you, Father. Now we praise you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.